This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with a longtime friend, but first time guest, my friend Stephanie Alexander. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Long time follower and supporter, but again, first time guest. Why is this the first time, Mark? Come on. Boy, I wish I knew. You know, there's so many things to talk about. And, you know, when we get together, we never lack for things to talk about. But for those of you who don't know, Stephanie is the partner and co founder of GovMates and the CEO and founder of Boost. And I'll let you explain, Steph what uh, what each of these does and where they fit into our uh, GovCon universe. So take it away, please. Absolutely. So my entire world, right, wrong, or indifferent, is GovCon. <laughs> I don't know anything otherwise. <laughs> I've come to that sad conclusion at this stage of my career. So I started the company Boost 10 years ago. We work with federal contractors in their back office. So I tell people we do all the things you don't want to do, but a lot about building and growing a company from the corporate side. So accounting, contracts, HR, recruiting, and strategic pricing. About six years ago, my co-founder, Katie, and I um, started GovMates, and that is an online teaming platform and a technology scouting tool. So we have a basically self-funded, we have over 5,000 small and non-traditional businesses in our platform, and in the platform- How how many? Over 5,000. Wow. Legit, man. I got real numbers to back everything up. You do. We collect all the things you need from a teaming perspective. So your capabilities, your past performance, your NAICS codes, um, you know, where you're located, your website, all the things, right? And so either the government, large system integrators, or even small businesses come to us looking for teaming partners. Because um, as we know, it's all about teaming and federal contracting, or a lot of it is. And so we saw a problem out there and we came up with a solution. So we've got a lot of really cool, innovative companies. Um, I'm a huge proponent and fan of small business. I believe that's where all the mojo is. Not that we don't love our system integrators and mid-tiers as well, because we do. We need the whole ecosystem. But I am definitely a huge fan of small business. Oh, you know, it's weird. Uh, I am as well. I work with several small businesses. Um, But when I published Selling to the Government, my, my book with Wiley, one of the comments on Amazon was, I bought this book because I wanted to learn how to uh, do business with a government. And the first thing you tell me is 90% of the companies coming into the market are going to fail. And, you know, if I could respond to an Amazon review, I'd say, did you want me to lie? Um, I, you know, I recently wrote a blog on this and it's like, when people say, hey, I want to get into the federal market, my first question is, why? Oh, my gosh, why? <laughs> Mark, I don't think I'm sharing any secrets when I say GovCon is kind of a pain in the ass in, like, a really hard way, but also because it's a really good market. 
So you just have to know the nuances and you have to understand. Um, and, and it's not something that comes overnight. And it's not something that I can tell you in a one hour speech or a webinar or, you know, it's some of it just comes with getting beat up in the industry and uh, life's lessons. Um, but it's an interesting one. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, SBA, the great way to come in is subcontracting, right? Um, my view of subcontracting is all primes are spousal abusers. Some are just more egregious than others. So, um, and I've been saying that for decades and it doesn't really matter which prime we're talking about. It's, it's not a comfortable relationship for the sub. What's your take on that? Ain't too proud to sub, sir. Ain't too proud to cash a check. I'll take that path performance all day long because I, A, revenue driven, I've got payroll to meet. I've got past performance to get. I've got customer intimacy to obtain. I recognize where I am in the ecosystem. If I am a small business, and this is not true for everyone, but especially as you're first starting out, go get some past performance under a prime. Like that's how you're going to get in. And then actually you are, it's a job interview. It's a job interview that lasts years, right? The more that you do and you deliver on that contract, the more your prime will bring you into other areas. Yes, you are building their past performance. Yes, they're going to take all the credit for it. Yes, they are potentially going to steal your staff, although we hope that you won't and you have covered that in your teaming and contracts. And yes, they're never going to pay you on time. So recognize all of the above. But that's how you get the past performance. Once you start to build a little bit of past performance, and remember, past performance is by basically your SAMS registration. So nobody cares that you did this for a large system integrator 20 years ago, right? Like your reputation will only get you but so far. As you're filling out your past performance, you've got to actually have real contracts. They want to see that. And so I'm kind of like, ain't you proud? Again, ain't you proud to cash a check? But know the value of it, right? Of course, it's good to be prime. It's good to be king. Of course, we all want to prime. But know, depending on where you are in the life cycle, know that you're going to have to sub some stuff in the beginning. And that's cool, too. Learn under your primes and build relationships. Well, you, the relationship thing in the other phrase you use, customer intimacy. So the the more they get to know you, the better they get to know you, the more they rely on you, the more likely it is they're going to show you a path to more business. Absolutely. They'll help grow your team, right? And your job is to make sure your prime doesn't take all your work share. So you need to shine. And you also need to actually shine with your prime. Because if it's a large system integrator, my God, they have more business than anyone knows, right? So they've got business over every every agency, every type of vehicle. So if one program office really starts to like you and sees that you're doing good work and that you've grown your team, that you're providing, you're delivering and contributing to good CFRs, because that's honestly what we all need right here, mm -hmm. then they will plug and play you in a different one. But it's only because you have that relationship with them. So don't think of the relationship only with the end government customer. The relationship is also with the prime because that prime has more resources than you do. They have more opportunities. They have a whole capture and win strategy. So make yourself part of that. Eventually, you're going to go out on your own. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying collect all the checks. Don't overlook subcontracting just because you want a prime. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you have 5,000 companies in the uh, GovMate database. 
How does a company get into your database? Do they fill out a form themselves? Do you vet them yeah. first? So a critical piece of information is none of our information is scraped. There are plenty of databases out there and they all scrape stuff off the internet and good luck, you know, with making sense of whatever's in SANS and all the rest of it. For folks who want to register, it is free to register. And no, I'm not trying to sell you a bridge to nowhere or a townhouse in Florida on a, on a swamp. It is literally free. It's always been free and will remain free. You register at govmates.com. There's a big red button that says register. And like I said, the type of information that we're collecting is anything and everything that is important from a teaming perspective. There's nothing proprietary or confidential. It's just what you would want to present to someone. And then that's it. We do all the work from there. Our database is not searchable or queryable from outside people. We add the human element, if you will, to our searches. So we go in, we work the system, we know what we're looking for. Requesters ask us for, you know, unique capabilities and that's what we produce. So when you, I mean, you mentioned NAICS, do you get down to the PSC level in this? No, because nobody actually asks us for it. Okay. But actually, if you are searching based on NAICS code or PSC codes, you're doing it wrong. Those are so freaking broad. I can run like 14 trucks to them, through them, right? I want to get as granular as possible. I want to know exactly what capabilities. I want to know which agency you're in. I want to know that you're in this state with this vehicle doing this capability and that type of thing. NAICS codes are just like a shot in the dark. Nobody cares. Cool. All important right. Important gonna... for the contract, but not important for like real life. Got it. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center. I'm here with Stephanie Alexander of GovMates. Find her at GovMates.com. Find her on LinkedIn. Reach out. Uh, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Stephanie Alexander of GovMates and Boost. Uh, you can find her on LinkedIn. I suggest that you do so. Um, Stephanie, you, you are a... Uh, um, a fan of innovation, but you have a slightly different take on it. I mean, everybody thinks they're innovative, right? Oh my God. What's wrong That's with this? It's kind of like saying everybody has the best team. We're all putting the best player on the best athlete on the field because you know you all wrote that in your your business proposal on uh, the, the business volume of um, your RFP response. I think we all think that we're innovative. I think innovative is a term that has been way overused. I think that there are actually people doing really cool things. I believe that there are people doing really cool things in federal contracting and that I would love to, this isn't a slam, but more of a just kind of not everything happens in Silicon Valley. There are really great companies doing really innovative things, trying to help solve really hard problems in the federal space. We need more of these companies and we need to make it easier for these companies to get into this space. Um, federal contracting, as I may have mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, pain in the ass, right? Like we are hard. We are a hard industry, but once you get it, you get it. I am a huge proponent that it's the smaller businesses doing this. I think the SIs um, generally their job is to kind of piecemeal it together and make it work. And there's absolutely a need and a role for that. But I think where the innovation comes is in the smaller companies. And I think the big guys appreciate and see this and they go and gobble up the small guys. It's the circle of life here in GovCon. If you're really good, you grow, you get your contracts and then you get out. 
and the large get, guy bought you. You get bought, yeah. You get bought. I mean, that's kind of the circle, like I said, circle of life. And especially in the past two or three years, M&A has been so hot in our market. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's even still for sale anymore because, my God, we've bought everything. Um, but it's the companies that are in the smaller stage, but not tiny, like in your basement type companies. But it's the companies that have got a little bit of past performance. They've got proof of concept. If I hear somebody else call, telling me that they have a software solution to cyber, I'm like, yawn, right? <laughs> like maybe 20 years ago, that was cool. Or you made an app, also yawn, right? But there are people who are really doing interesting things. And so one of the areas that I think is interesting is commercial coming into the GovCon space and then adding a little bit of flavor, if you will, for whatever the IC needs or whatever the DOD customer needs. So taking a commercial solution that may have been born out of need, want, whatever, repeatable, and then adding in a flavor of GovCon on top, I think that's a nice solution that's interesting in our space. Yeah, but, you know, I've had companies call and you know, tell me, you know, I have something NSA needs immediately or, you know, name the agency, they need this or uh, the, the the word unique. Um, how often do you get this? All the time, because everyone thinks they're special and they all think that they're doing something dramatically different than everybody else. In reality, that's probably not the case. We have GovMates that are doing like super niche stuff. And I think that those are actually interesting and unique. Um, the medical field, right? Like solving this really unique problem. The first thing I would caution is make sure that there's enough people that have this problem to make it worth your while to invest the time and the solution on. Um, but I think a lot of these problem, a lot of these companies, their biggest issue is I may have this great solution that NSA needs, but you know what? I don't know anybody at NSA and NSA doesn't know who the hell I am. So it's nice that you have this unique solution, <laughs> but until you connect the dots and until the government is aware of your, your solution to the problem, that's the biggest problem, right? So it's not a lack of innovation. It's a lack of awareness. Yeah, the, the whole awareness thing. I have uh, discussions on a regular basis with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing, and he's been on my show, you know, four or five times. I've been on his podcast. We, we talk about differentiation, subject matter experts, and, and the concept of relevance, relevance to the client and awareness so you know the leading brand study from government exec uh every year that i've gone over the past seven years or however long they've been doing this saying you know when it comes to the contracting officer do they know you and are you credible those are your 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 biggies so what what do you do to take your smaller companies and, and start helping them build that that credibility factor so I don't know that I can actually establish credibility for you, quite frankly. Like you, I am not an expert in anything. I know just enough to be dangerous, right? So you have to know your stuff. You have to know your technology. You have to know what solutions you're going after. But where I would caution people and where I think people kind of forget, you may have the best solution to whatever problem it is. 
but are there people willing to pay money for it? Do they have budget for it? And can they get to you, right? So it's the best mousetrap in the world, but if no one cares and no one wants to spend the extra money or whatever you need to charge, there's an element of the finance behind this too, right? Can you sell your solutions at a, a, coming together with the government, can you sell your solutions to a customer that actually needs your solution, has the budget for your solution and can get on contract with you for the solution? That's what you need. When we say government contracting is hard, it's because you have to solve all of these things. And it's not like the commercial world where honestly contracting, the contracting is the easiest part. Here we have an added element of budgeting. We have the element of contract vehicles. How do I get to this niche player if they're not on any of the GWACs or IDIQs? How do I find this? That's part of the solution that GovMates has, right, is market research and intelligence for, you know, finding companies that have unique capabilities. Yeah. So you you made a statement earlier uh, just a couple minutes ago that that you weren't an expert at anything. I would dispute that. I'd say you are an expert at helping companies get started in this market, and that is quite an area of expertise. So, uh don't don't sell your short self short to me again. Um, that I will take I'll... credit for that and the mid tiers and the large SIs, quite frankly, because we speak to all parties, including sure. the government. So yeah. the startups are good, but it, it's the workhorses between that five and fifty million. It's the mid tiers who continue to question their lives and what they're going to do, and then it's the large system integrators who are like, we just need more. Um, this ecosystem is very robust, but you need to know where you are and that where knowing where you are is unique and knowing how to play to your strengths. Each category has its own strengths. Yeah. And each category has a pecking order to your, to your point as well. Yes. And if you're a newbie, you don't, you may not know that, you know, right. Your unique solution may not be so unique here. Um, and the more esoteric the agency, you know, so if it's a DOD component in research, you're not going to know what they're they're doing. If it's in the IC, you have absolutely no clue of what they know, what they do and how they do it. By design. So, yeah. When, <laughs> when you when you come to a consultant and say, I have something that the NSA needs now. Um, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. My other advice for the newbies starting out is, dear God, don't go after the IC unless you actually already have contacts in there, because good luck getting in. Um, Try something that's a little more standardized and try something that's a little more public. Um, So, Also, you know what? We give a lot of love to the IC and DOD. Let's not forget the civilian agencies. Uh, They have budget too, folks. So just because we're all DOD centric and we feel like they can write all the checks all the ways... I would be remiss if I didn't point out, you know, civilian agencies are trying to solve hard problems too, and they have budget as well. And you need to look at those. Well, you mentioned, you know, medicine, uh, I think at the Mm -hmm. end of the first segment. So, you know, CDC, uh, uh, NIH, um, you know, they're massive budgets, tons of really cool research going on all the time. And yes, they do need help. They do need smalls. So yeah. if, if you play in that arena, 
This is a huge market. Agree. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Stephanie right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with my friend Stephanie Alexander. She is first time guest, but uh, I love this conversation. So she is going to be coming back uh, again and again. So that's a threat, lady. Um, <laughs> strong-armed into it live on tape. So therefore, yes, I have yeah. to say yes, right? Well, yeah, there well you go. done, Mark. Well done. My my pleasure. I, I love strong-arming. <laughs> I don't get to do it very often. Um, so let's talk about uh, small business subcontracting plans and set-aside goals. There's always been controversy around this. Uh, and you have some ideas for improving same. What might these well, be? <laughs> I would never propose that I am an acquisition expert or that I would tell the acquisition teams what to do. However, for the industry side of the house, I would like to see more transparency with the large system integrators and the large primes on what their subcontracting plan is and how they are meeting their goals. I don't want to see the report cards, personally. I would like the transparency into the report cards. Another factor that I think is easily overlooked is actually OTAs. So a lot of it is not a lack of transparency, but it's a lack of administrative like reporting. So if you look at OTAs, they're being, they are being led to a lot of small businesses but you can't tell that when you look in SAMs because they're all going to the consortium manager. So that's another place that is a well-known, like we all know it's a problem, but it would be nice to actually see the problem resolved. And that is literally just a paperwork administrative reporting problem. There are those that will say that the small, those, those being friends of ours, that would say that the small business goals actually aren't being met. And so I think that I am not an expert on that. And I would not propose, I, I would have to dig more into the data to have a really clear opinion on whether or not I agree or disagree. I think um, there's some stuff out there that says, yes, they're being, but they're going to like larger companies who still qualify as small. Um, so there's different holes in the system. And I think I, I'm here for it. I want the government to do more. I, I, I will always push that we should have more in small business set aside. Um, but it seems to me that part of the problem is the data reporting, because I'm not sure that everyone is on the same page and we're all counting in every agency the same way. And I think we're actually under-reporting small business participation in the OT world. Um, and I wonder, I don't know about SBIRs and STTRs if those are really being properly attributed. And I think we might be overcounting in other areas. Um, I think that industry, I would love to see industry kind of help solve this problem for, on behalf of the government. I would love to see industry players be proud of their small business participation. I would love to see the big guys of the world like tooting their own horns and saying, we've met every goal, every place, all the ways. There's a lot of SBLOs out there that are really trying hard to make sure that they are 
embracing and, and doing what they're contractually obligated to do. However, I would like to see more transparency and I'd like to see a scorecard of all like the top 50 players, right, in GovCon and how they actually rack and stack against what they put in that proposal and what they actually delivered in five years of execution. Hmm. Just an idea, thought, kind of like your CPAR scores. I'd like to see it kind of, like to see it more public. Is there any way to pull some of that data out of FPDS? I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you if you're letting contracts to the big SIs, you're not going to see the subcontractor data, right? So that's the hardest yeah. part is like yeah. we really only look at it one level up and not the next level down. What we did at GovMates, quite frankly, is we take the information for when you are a subcontractor, recognizing that that too carries weight as past performance. And so it's kind of a unique thing because it's really hard to drill down to that second, third, fourth level tiers. Um, that information is definitely not readily available that I know of. Okay. So how could we push for more transparency there is gsa in charge of this or is sba in charge of this i don't like making the government in charge of anything um <laughs> tell me what so you really I think choose no. <laughs> i choose industry do a better job i choose industry large or anybody who's not small be loud and proud about what your small business goals are and what you've done to meet them i choose that which I know sounds Pollyannic, like, oh, industry will report on itself and, you know, say nice things about each other. Um, but I feel like we actually have better data. So, you know, I don't know why large integrators wouldn't want to very publicly talk about what they do with small businesses. I think that that's a role that their, you know, team should look into. Well, part of the reason is going to be they don't want to tout a particular company because other companies, just like the government poaches uh, employees, other primes are going to poach your best partners. Indeed. But welcome to the world of, like, it's all online anyway. It's just a matter of finding the data, right? So, yeah. so I mean, but, if people are working with each other, there are ways to find that out. Um, it's competitive intelligence, I think. So I understand your point. Um, if we go to, okay, industry won't solve its own problems, so make it a government solution, um, I'm not sure which agency. I feel like the SBA, I'd like to see the SBA have some teeth to it because it is a carrot and a stick. And I would like to see the other side of this that we're not talking about is I'd like to see kind of more repercussions if you don't meet your goals. Well, I mean, you know, uh, the the woman-owned small set-aside um, took forever to happen. And then it was a goal, not a requirement. And I don't know what the status there is now, but it's one of the most difficult, apparently, for government to fill anyway. Yes, no, maybe? I feel like no, but okay, I'm why? not not giving it a qualified backup. All right. There's very few times that being a woman and certified woman owned small business actually matters. Um, so in terms of like, what are actual set asides with the woman owned small business designation? There's like, honestly, to have done GovCon again, I would be a woman owned construction business because that actually matters. 
like women-owned construction businesses are killing it, right? And well-run ones because that NAICS code and those types of contracts, there really is a lack of women represented. Everything else, consulting, cybersecurity, IT, blah, blah, blah. There's plenty of women-run businesses in there. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know that that's the problem per se. It's not a lack of competition. Okay. Are, are there any cat set aside categories that, that stick out in your mind that do have a hard time? I know a while back hub zones, but I think they're doing I think okay hub zones. I think hub zones are always hard. It's hard to keep those people. It's hard to keep her because you can get the zone and you can get the status and then you can lose it just as quickly. Um, it seems like, you know, the ebb and flow of your workforce um, as you grow and become more successful, you get more contracts that aren't hub zone dependent. And then suddenly your workforce is not always in a hub zone. Right. So right. I think right. those are challenging. They're challenging to manage um, and they're challenging to kind of keep. I think the others don't ebb and flow. I'm still a woman today and I'm a woman five years from now and 10 years from now. I'm an SCB now and I'm an SCB two years from now, right? Like those are kind of statuses that once you acquire them, they don't, short of outgrowing them, there's no change unless you had a change of ownership. Eight days. Um, so you do have a timeline on that, right? Um, and so you can argue that, I guess, but I'm also like, you have a date, you know, when you got the certification, you have exactly how long you have to run this thing out. Um, and if you aren't planning for the day, when you lose that status from day one, um, then you're doing it wrong. So or if you get the 8A too early before you're ready to play. So that is also a thing, right? So I think there's a lot of really great resources out there. And the 8A program, if you use it the way that it was originally intended, then you're going to get your butt kicked because you're not going to know what you're doing for the first three years. And then you've lost three years of the life of contract, right? It's the people who know how to play the system. And when I say play the system, everything is above board and legal. This is not wrong. This is just being in the GovCon space and kind of knowing what you're doing and be able to layer on. I've got my 8A certification, but I got it when I was like ready to rock and roll, right? And I'm ready to win business. I can execute on it. I've got a clear recruiting machine. I've got the people behind me. I can do it. Same thing with the JV thing, right? Like that's another tool, but you don't do that on day one. <laughs> <laughs> mentor yeah. protege same thing right like their tools developed to help you but they're really to maximize contracts so if you don't know the nuances of that and if you treat them as like newbies toolkit things you're not going to get the actual value of um that others are giving cool all right we're going to take our last break you're listening to am tower off center on the federal news network stephanie and i will wrap up right after this Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with my friend Stephanie Alexander of uh, GovMates, GovMates.com, and Boost. Um, and and GovMates is going to help you do what we're about to talk about, and that is the the teaming side of the universe. So, uh, 
why smalls need to take this seriously and uh, how do you vet your partner? So Stephanie, please take it away. All right. So why would you take teaming seriously? Probably because, especially if you're new to this world, you're not going to walk in and just get a contract. Like it doesn't work that way, sadly. Um, And more importantly, as you get more and more into your business and you're a good mid-tier, even large companies, you can't do everything well. So team with a partner who does the niche statement of work and has really good quals and actually knows what they're doing so that I know this is a crazy concept. You can actually deliver on your work and do the things you said you were going to do in your proposal response. Um, I know that's crazy. So you want to bring in, uh, God, please don't make me say this. You want to bring in the best athletes, right? No, no. But you want to put together a credible team that can get the stuff done and that gives the government the feeling that you will actually do it, right? So if you go to the government and you're like, I can do everything, um, that seems a little impossible. Um, and so teaming is a necessity of life in our business. Um, and so there's very few times when you wouldn't team is kind of my personal perspective. And so it's just knowing who the right teaming partners are. So as we talk about teaming partners, how can you vet a teaming partner, right? Whether it be a large SI looking for a small or a small guy looking for another small or every other combination. First and foremost, A, NDA it up. B, what is the word on the street? What do your friends say, your other fellow CEOs say about large insert here system integrator name, right? Have they had good experiences or bad? And you can't make a judgment call just based on one person's um, thoughts. You have to recognize that when you're working with a large system integrator, there are a bajillion people in these companies and they all have different divisions. They don't talk to each other. So while you could have one division that's completely crushing it and great with their, with their teaming partners, another division may not be. And they may be a bunch of jerks, right? So you can't let one experience flavor your impression, but you do start to see trends and you do start to see kind of what people think about certain um, partners. Secondly, who's doing the work on the proposal? Like upfront. Third, rates. People don't want to talk money until like the very, very last, last part of it. And if your rates are coming in ridiculously higher or ridiculously lower or vice versa, you need to have had those conversations up front. So not only is it about capability, it's about like work workload, right? Like how are we going to approach this proposal together? Who's going to do the majority of the work? Who has the resources? What is my level of involvement? And how much do you want me to be involved? And then third, rates. If you are not, if you're coming in and... This happens a lot. The large prime may be like, okay, so I'm going to need you to get to these rates and small business can't turn, can't do it. They would lose money. Better to have had that conversation up front as close to the, the teaming arrangement conversation as you can. Also, as a large, as a prime, do the favor of doing the rate analysis up front so that you too can provide this guidance, whether it be to your small business teaming partners or to your colleagues, et cetera. Like, have that conversation. Um, otherwise, you've wasted a lot of time and energy because it might be great that you do all the technical things, but if you can't get to the bid rate, uh, nobody cares. Okay. 
Um, so let's let's talk a little more about that vetting process because, uh, as as you know, I'm a huge huge fan of LinkedIn. Yes. Um, Stalk them all on LinkedIn. Ask them. Talk to your mutual connections. I mean, we do this for prospective employees. You absolutely would do it for a prospective job. So why wouldn't you do it for a prospective teammate? Yeah, you can also go to look at the employees of a partner and see how long they've been there. So the the retention rate speaks volumes to me. It does. Um, With a little caveat for give them a little slack for an M&A activity or something like that, right? There's things that happen in a business's life cycle. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, no. do your, I, I agree with you. LinkedIn is an excellent resource. Go see what's going on. Are they hiring? It's a great place for competitive intelligence. What type of jobs are they putting out there? Are they all magically meeting the exact same job description category, labor category descriptions of the thing you're going after? Might be good to know. I think people overlook the intelligence part of LinkedIn. I agree. As as you know, I've been mentoring a number of people, uh, three of whom are you know, job search mode, and we are leveraging LinkedIn exactly for that, not just what jobs are available, what, what the, the culture of the company is like, what the retention rate is like, um, you know, what, you know, you can go look at the recommendations of the people who are interviewing you. Okay. Zero recommendations. Uh, you know, that's, that's a flag, uh, you know, but read, read the ones that are there. So there's, there's a lot of things that you can do. I trust LinkedIn a lot more than I trust like Glassdoor or other places that, you know, also have information. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, when we hire people, when we talk about like partnering with another organization, first thing I do is do I know them on LinkedIn? Who do I have in common? Do I have anybody in common that I actually like and talk to on the regular that'll give me the real download? And then it's a very discreet note. Hey, would like to talk to you about X got time for a call it's never in writing it's never attributional and it's always a call yep one of my mentees said that you know when she reaches out to to current employees of companies where she's going to interview she's never had anybody say they won't talk to her so easy to vet i have had the same experience right like when i when i reach out to another professional and i'm like hey i'm considering making a hire what do you think of this person People, like, we all want to help each other. We just don't want our HR departments to know about it. And we don't want our, t- you know, like, this is the off the record part of the conversations. But you want to get feedback. I would just say get feedback from multiple sources. Don't just trust one person. Always go for a couple. And when you talk about teaming partners, you you know that there's a press release out there some, somewhere with another organization that is teamed with your potential large fund or yep. with your small. And so go seek those people out. And again, nothing's in writing. Don't ask for too much. Just all you want is 10 minutes on the phone and you'd like the real scoop. And always tell them it's not for attribution. Absolutely. And if you do that, you are dead. Yeah. Yeah. This is the biggest industry in the world, but it's like the smallest little world. We all know each other or we all work together or we're all LinkedIn together. Like, 
don't be telling secrets and then like actually telling secrets. Not good. Yeah. I mean, I, for, for people in the market, when I'm researching, we're at least a second degree, never a third. Generally. So, I mean, like I said, this market, two degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? So it's two degrees of exactly around here. Yeah. And everybody's worked together. Their companies have been bought out by each other. Like it, it, it makes it an interesting market. Um, and just do the right thing. I think that's probably yeah. good advice for everyone. Add value. True. So <laughs> any final thoughts? Thank you for having me. I so appreciate the discussion and, um, No, just I'm geared up and excited for end of fiscal year as we get into the fall season. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, where we're headed. Um, You know, do we expect any changes with midterm elections? I feel like no, probably not. What does the budget look like for next year? Could we actually pass a budget? Wouldn't that be great? Um, All the things that GovCon talks about and goes through. So we're here for it. There you go. Stephanie Alexander, thank you. The uh, The company is GovMates and Boost. Find Stephanie on LinkedIn. This is not my day job. I do advise companies on marketing to the government, but I focus on building a subject matter expert platform, thought leadership, leveraging content to support that, and building it around LinkedIn and social selling. So if that resonates, drop me a line, Mark Amtower at Gmail. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.